behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in, everyone, to the Double Dribble Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Harper, and I am the head basketball analyst for Tide Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network. And thank you for joining me again. Um, Getting ready to start off a new Alabama basketball season for the 2023-2024 season. And I could not be any more excited to go on this journey with you again. Um, It was a... Bumpy road last year, especially at the end, but it was an incredible season to follow all the way through. There were just so many great moments, so many great players to go through um, or to cover, and it it was probably the best season I've ever seen of Alabama basketball for sure, um, but definitely the most fun. I've had, I haven't had that much fun covering a, a basketball team in probably my entire life. So I'm looking forward to this season. It's going to be one that's setting up similar to last year in terms of, you know, they're they're ranked in the back half of the top 25. They they think they'll finish fourth or fifth in the SEC, which is probably about right at this point. Um, But there's a lot of things that could go right for Alabama to put them right back in a similar position as last year. There's the talent on the roster. You've got Nate Oates at the helm, and you have a system that's just that flourishes in college in today's college basketball. So you have a lot of good talent that we'll kind of cover today. Um, if you don't mind, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast platform that you're on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, we I've been doing this podcast. You know, me and my my friend Matt Landry have done the podcast for. Uh, since 2019, and while he started an NBA program a couple years ago, he's kind of had to fall off of that uh, for the most part, but he's going to end up joining me come January when SEC play starts once he graduates with his NBA, which is going to be awesome for him, I know, and it, it, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great run for this podcast this year. We're going on our fourth to fifth year Um, of covering Alabama basketball, and I'm super excited as I always am. So let's kind of dive into what has happened since our last podcast. Um, I believe it was a couple months ago, actually, kind of breaking down where the roster was at when it was completed, all the transfers, Javon Quinterly transferring out, in comes Grant Nelson, Aaron Estrada, um, Jaron Stevenson reclassifies um, and becomes – um, really the key part of a really good recruiting class um, involving Sam Walters um, and Muhammad Diabate 
and it it could end up being a very productive class either this year, um, for sure next year in development. Uh, but a lot of these guys I'm going to cover, um, they had a, a quote-unquote secret scrimmage against TCU the other or last weekend that I'll, I'll kind of go over the box score. I have it in front of me, and um, we'll kind of go over each player's performance. We'll kind of cover how the team did as a whole and – really preview the season, um, the, the early part of the season at least, the first week and a half they have, um, see how many games, they got three, four, four games in the first 11 days. First game going to be November the 6th um, against Moorhead State. But we'll kind of kind of preview some of these games, see how they're going to start off, um, and just really dive into how I think this roster is going to play out in terms of, rotations, playing time, who's going to start. Uh, I really don't think it matters who starts for Alabama, especially in the backcourt, but uh, we'll kind of dive in and I'll give you my analysis on what I think is going to happen there. Um, just kind of starting off uh, the roster, it, it obviously is complete at this point. Um, Muhammad Diabate is still coming back from an injury. He should be ready by the first game on the November the 6th uh, from what Nate Oates said. Um, he should be ready about that time. Uh, Muhammad McGee is also battling an injury. I think he'll be fine right, right around the start of the season. Um, and Mark Sears has been out for the the secret scrimmage, and he'll be out this Sunday um, in a scrimmage against a charity scrimmage against Wake Forest, which should be an interesting game as well. Um, but he he's going to be fine. He'll be ready for the first game as well. So Alabama will be healthy come the first game and should have everybody on deck uh, for that game. But kind of starting off, um, we'll, we'll kind of cover the, the secret scrimmage that they had against um, TCU um, in Tuscaloosa, which TCU is going to be a very good team. Um, I think they're a top 20, um, top 25 caliber team, and they're, they're going to be really good. I really like the addition of Jameer Nelson Jr. over the offseason. And he really had a great game against Alabama, scoring 25 points in 37 minutes um, on 7 of 13 shooting. He's a very efficient scorer. He gets to the line really well. And he reminds me a lot of Scottie Pippen Jr. in a sense. He, he knows how to get to the line. And he, he's a pretty efficient scorer um, for a guy his size. So TCU ends up winning 85 to 81. And TCU ended up rotating, I believe, around 11 guys while Alabama rotated seven. So when you factor that in, not having Mark Sears, uh, the engine that kind of makes your team run at point, and you miss two front court guys against a really big team um, in TCU, that's a pretty that's a pretty good result. I, I will take it. And it's a practice game. It's a scrimmage. You're probably tinkering with a lot of different rotations. Uh, different positions, so it it's really hard to gain you know gain a a narrative or a perspective off of a scrimmage game, and I don't take anything away from it unless there's like an outlier an outlier performance from a player um, that we'll get get into on Alabama side with Sam Walters who had an incredible scrimmage. I kind of take away performances like that and say that guy has that potential obviously playing a team of TCU's caliber and being able to put on a show like that. 
So that kind of opens people's eyes, especially the coaching staff, gives him more confidence in him and just builds more confidence in, in Sam himself of being able to – or knowing that he'll be able to perform like that um, against tough competition. So, you know, Jameer Nelson Jr. ended up scoring 20, uh, 25 points, Emmanuel Miller 14. Had pretty balanced scoring at the top, Jacoby Coles and Trevion Tennyson, uh, each with 14 and 18 respectively. Um, but going down to Alabama's Alabama side, Grant Nelson played 36 minutes, and he only took six shots, which that kind of disappointing for me. I thought I figured he would end up shooting a little bit more, uh, but he did get to the line eight times and made seven out of eight. Finished with 13 and nine um, nine rebounds, and had four four, four personal fouls, um, but he did draw seven. So this shows that he's being aggressive um, at the rim, and I feel like he will be. He's not going to be the guy that's going to settle for threes. Um, he's going to be a guy that wants to facilitate, get into the lane, and get easier shots. So um, he ended up being a plus four on the on the day, and he also had two blocks. So um, that that's really encouraging as well. Because I mean, being six eleven, he's going to be one of the taller players on the team, and they're, they're, he's going to rotate in, at center sometimes. Um, so he's he's going to have to be a, a rim protector. Um, a decent amount. So the fact that he got two blocks uh, shows that he he's capable, and hopefully he'll he'll end up to being developing into that as the season goes on. Um, Sam Walters, obviously the story of the exhibition. Him and Jameer Nelson Jr. kind of took over, but Sam Walters played 28 minutes, scored 29 points. He was a plus 10 overall, leading the team, and. Went seven of twelve from three, at six nine. I mean, he's probably a buck eighty soaking wet. So he, he's very skinny, um, very lanky. But I knew coming out from freshman or in this freshman class coming out his senior year, he, he was one of the best pure scorers in that recruiting class. And I've talked to people that have seen that since he was in the eighth or ninth grade, to where Sam Walters, they knew he was going to be special. They knew he was D one talent. And he would kind of get bored sometimes playing against high-level competition. And you would see him going up against some of the guys that end up going to Kentucky and Duke on the AAU circuit. And they, he was just putting them in a blender and lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, it was easy for him. He's he's a very easy scorer. Uh, he just makes it look easy. It's effortless. So it does not surprise me that he has this in him. It just surprises me that in his first actual college game, even though it's a scrimmage, actual competition against another college team, he put up those numbers. Now, I don't know how much time he's actually going to get in an, you know, in the normal rotation. Well, I'll kind of discuss that later on. But that's very encouraging to have someone on your, more than likely on your bench that's going to be able to come in for a 10 to 15-minute spell and have the potential to just light it up. I mean, you need the, one of those, you know, energizer bunnies that's going to come up and spark an offense that's kind of struggling, kind of muttering along. Sam Walters is that guy. And that was very encouraging. And the, another newcomer, Aaron Estrada, had a very, very good game. And he ended up minus four on the, on the score sheet, but he ended up with 19 points, seven of 16 from shooting. Only shot one three, which isn't surprising um, for him. Um, 
you know, outside of Alabama or outside of Sam Walters going seven to twelve, the rest of the team went one for thirteen from three, and they still only lost by four. That shows that they're scoring in other ways. You know, Alabama has always been a very inefficient three-point shooting team just because they shoot so many. They're right around 32% as a team um, year to year. But they shoot so many that if you're making 11 a game, it's not really, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, they ended up shooting right below 50% as a team from the field. Um, if you take away the threes, they're, they're 17 of, of 33. So they're over 50% outside of, outside of three pointers. And they shot really well from the line, 23 of 29. So outside of three point shooting, um, or three point shooting outside of Sam Walters, I thought was really, really good. Um, they came back from a 16 point deficit early in the first half, ended up taking the lead by six late in the second half before kind of giving it away. Uh, Alabama ended up with 20 turnovers, forced 18 from TCU, dominated the paint 34 to 28, um, and the bench scoring was really, really good. I mean, most of that was Sam Walters, I'm pretty sure, being having 29 points. But still, you have people like that come off the bench, it's a huge boost to the offense and boost to the team's morale in general. So they they ended up shooting – um, 44% from the second half um, to 40% in the first. And, you know, I, it's not much to take away from this outside of I thought Aaron, it looks like Aaron Estrada played really well. Grant Nelson was was solid, and Sam Walters played really, really well. Uh, the downside, Rylan Griffin had a very bad game, only played 14 minutes, Um Obviously, Nate Oates probably saw that he was struggling big time and kind of got him out of there. Um, he went 0 for 7 from the field, um, only scored two points, two for two for the free throw line, and he was a minus 17 overall. Um, so obviously not not good at all. Um, you know, Ryland's not going to have too many games like that. I have full confidence in Ryland overall. Um, Jared Nelson, I thought played looked pretty looked pretty good. Only a minus two overall, 10 points. Uh, five of six from the free throw line. And, you know, as a 17-year-old freshman coming in, playing 30 minutes in your first game is pretty solid. Looks like he was third on the team and minutes played. So, obviously, Nick Nate Oates likes what he sees from Jaron in practice, so he gave him a shot against TCU, and he didn't disappoint. So he, he played really well also. And I'll kind of talk about him in a, in a second about um, the rotations um, coming up, um, but that's really all that you can really take away from a, a secret scrimmage um, against a good team like TCU. I think Alabama's probably going to have to score eighty plus points a night, and in order to win most of their games, I don't think the defense is going to be able to lock down and carry them like they did in spurts last year. There's just not enough defensive talent length, um, athleticism to be able to to guard every position like they had last year and Noah Clowney and Brandon Miller um, and like years in years past with Nate Oates. This is going to be a defense by committee type team just because there's no great on-ball defenders on the team. I think Rylan Griffin honestly may be the best on-ball defender on the team. And you're going to, he, he's going to be asked to do a pretty good amount on the offensive end as well. So He's going to be the key X factor to the team overall. 
Um, and I think he has a great chance to take that next leap in his progression. And he, he could end up developing into a potential draft pick, NBA draft pick, this upcoming season just with his with his measurables, with his shot-making ability. And I think he has a lot in the tank defensively that he's that he's going to show and let out this this season. So it's going to be a defense by committee. It's going to be a lot of help defense. And that more than likely early on, at least, in the first half in the off, in the non-conference, where they do not get a break hardly at all in comp, tough competition, they're going to have to score the basketball very efficiently and a high volume-wise in order to win basketball games. Because teams are going to be able to get the shot they want more times than not against Alabama, I feel like. They don't have a true rim protector. And I feel like bigger teams are really going to take advantage of that. And it's going to have to be, you know, five-out offense. I feel like Grant Nelson playing the fives is going to happen a lot to create a lot of mismatches in order to let the offense flow um, a lot better especially against bigger teams, against Zach Eady at, at Purdue, teams like that, they're going to have to play Grant Nelson at the five. It, it's just it's going to have to happen in order to draw Zach Eady out of the paint. But I'm not worried about them offensively. I think offensively they're going to have great shot makers and Mark Sears and Aaron Estrada in the backcourt, and you're going to have crafty guys such as, such as Grant Nelson around the rim that's going to be able to to get high-quality looks. And it helps a lot that he's going to be able to step out and shoot threes as well. I think his three ball is going to be a key key factor in Alabama's offense too just because you need that guy to, to replace Noah Clowney's um, floor-stretching ability and to pull defenders out. And I think Grant Nelson, while he wasn't efficient at South Dakota State doing it, I think he's going to really blossom into an outside shooter at Alabama and I think it's going to end up carrying him into the first-round draft pick once it's all said and done after this season. I'm really, really high on Grant's development and being in Alabama, or Nate Oates' system for a, an offseason and for a whole season as well. So kind of looking at the rotation and kind of what to expect um, for, for Alabama early on at least, I, you're, you're for sure going to see Mark Sears at the point. Um, that I think that's at the – think that's a given uh, you'll see Aaron Estrada at the two which is probably one of the best backcourts I think and especially in the SEC but one of the best backcourts in all of college basketball one-two punch wise just tremendous volume scores very good shooters very good facilitators and they're they're going to be as as it is with Nate Oates's offense and Nate Oates's system the backcourt the one and the two are the most crucial positions on the floor because those are the floor generals. Those are the guys that kickstart the offense. You think of Javon Quinterly when he was, you know, at his peak when it comes SEC tournament time um, in 2021, he was the one that made the offense go. And he put up 20, 30 points just about every night. And that that's available for Aaron Estrada and Mark Sears. And I think that's that's going to be a key um, key position group to really watch this year, and I, I think they're going to really flourish. 
you'll likely see Rylan Griffin at the three, Grant Nelson at the four, and Nick Pringle at the five. Um, Nick Pringle is going to be a huge question mark. He really came on late in the season, especially in that first game um, in the NCAA tournament where he had a double-double, a uh, 20-point double-double. Um, albeit a lot of it was in garbage time, but he showed that he's able to score around the rim against smaller teams, and he's super athletic. If he can just stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court long enough, I think he would give them valuable, valuable minutes, even though he's not – he's like a Charles Bidiaco hang around, uh, hang around the rim type of big guy. But, you know, he's always – He's he's only six ten, so he's not he's not super tall like Chuck. He's not going to be a rim protector, um, but he has the athleticism to really move and and to position himself against some of the craftier big guys and in, in the SEC. So that <clears throat> I think Nick Pringle is going to be the five at least majority of the time. You could see, like I mentioned before, Grant play in the five, and if Jaron Stevenson or even Sam Walters, I'm not counting him out later on in the year if he develops correct or, you know, develops right. Guys like that could play the four while Grant plays the five. That's your best offensive lineup, in my opinion. <clears throat> then you have in coming off the bench, Latrell Reitzel. Um, he's going to come off the bench and probably be the first guard off – going to be the first guard off the bench. You know, he didn't play well in the scrimmage at all. He didn't score in 26 minutes, but he was a plus eight, which was very interesting to me. He didn't make any shots, two rebounds, um, two assists, didn't turn the ball over. He's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy to where I think that Aaron Estrada or Mark Sears, whoever's on the floor with him, is going to be able to facilitate, drive in, and kick. And he, he's going to be a good enough shooter from the outside to where I think he's going to be – he's going to have to come off the bench a bit, a great six-man. Because with the backcourt, you know, it, it starts and ends with Aaron Estrada and Mark Sears, but Latrell Reitzel is going to have to be that guy because there's really no other guard on the bench that's going to be able to come up and, you know, put on a show. And then looking at the forward position, you got Jaron Stevenson and Sam Walters coming off the bench. And you couldn't really ask for much more coming off the bench. You got high sorry guys, I'm choking. <clears throat> you got high quality, talented guys that's gonna come off the bench. And they're gonna be able to put up points. Neither are going to be a defensive force. I think Jaron Stevenson can has a chance to be a, a good defensive player. And he was in high school. But just his age and his size, he's probably going to get pushed around a little bit. But I have faith that he's going to end up coming along defensively. Um, Sam Walters, you know, when he come, comes off the bench, is going to be strictly for scoring. Um, he's not going to be expected to do much else. And then you have guys like Muhammad Wagee, who's going to end up probably backing up Nick Pringle at the five. Um, he's just – he's a rim runner. He can be a rim protector as well. 
you know, 6'10", 225. He's, he's a junior. He's an older guy. Um, just coming in, bringing in experience. He only averaged four points a game at West Virginia, but he, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Um, but I, I feel like he's a guy that can really come in and spell either Grant or Nick, whoever is whoever's at the five, and be able to give them good minutes, good solid minutes. Um, and I think he'll end up, I think he'll end up playing about fifteen to twenty minutes a game, barring foul trouble. Um, Sam Walters, I could see playing ten to fifteen minutes early on, and if he ends up showing that he's comfortable and not as Huge of a liability defensively because, to be honest, like I mentioned before, Alabama's going to have to win a lot of games scoring the basketball at a high level, at a high rate. So if you sacrifice the defensive end for guys like Sam Walters, who you know can put up points in a hurry, I could see him carving out a good role of you know eighteen to twenty minutes later on down the road once he gets comfortable. Um, Jaron Stevenson about the about the same if he starts out you know, 10 to 15 minutes early on and then shows that he's comfortable, he could carve out a role to where he's playing 18 to 20 minutes. And that's kind of what Nate Oates wants. If he has a front court of four to five guys, he can play comfortably swapping in and out close to 20 minutes a game. I mean, he's got to be ecstatic with that. But I think the the minutes in the backcourt is pretty pretty set. You're going to see Aaron Estrada playing 30 minutes a game, Mark Sears playing 30, Rylan Griffin playing 30, um, and obviously Grant Nelson. He he didn't come here to to only play 20 25 minutes. He's going to play, you know, 30 plus minutes as well. So you're going to have your your mainstay or your stable of horses that you're going to roll out there, um, and the other guys are going to really have to compete in practice, and they're going to have to show it in games that they deserve the. Uh, the minutes in the game. So it's going to be very interesting early on to see kind of what the rotation is. The rotation last year early on was not what it was at the end of the year. So don't – I mean, just take it with a grain of salt early on, especially with the competition they're playing. It's not great. So, you know, starting out against Moorhead State, Indiana State's a a solid mid-major – and then South Alabama and Mercer. Those are going to be the, the tune-up games before you go to the Emerald Coast Classic in Destin against Ohio State, and then Clemson, and then, then you have Murderer's Row in December 9th through the 20th and Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. Um, the goal is to have a rotation before you go to Destin that you feel comfortable with and just try it out and roll with it from there and make adjustments as you go. But I feel like they'll have a pretty, uh, pretty set rotation by 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 Thanksgiving to when they go to Destin, and I, I think you'll end up. They don't like to roll too many players, uh, but I, I see this team probably being an eight to nine man rotation this year, just because I feel like the you have good quality depth. It's not high end depth, which most teams don't have that anyway. Um, I definitely think the depth this year is better than last year. And I felt like Alabama really relied on four to five guys too heavily last year and didn't have enough depth coming off the bench. This year, I think they have high quality depth. And you're probably going to see one of the deeper teams Nate Oates has had. Um, Just doesn't have that top-end talent like we've seen in the past couple years. 
Um, and just kind of wrapping up the show. Um, it's been a great, great time, or it's been great kind of hopping right back into it uh, 10 days before the season starts and just kind of wrapping it up with a little bit of recruiting news. Um, Alabama landed Aiden Shirell, um last month, exactly a month ago. Um, Aiden Shirell is a five-star, number 18 on Rivals. He's a guy that I've been I've been really high on for the past two years. And he's from at a prolific prep, um, the powerhouse out in Napa, California. Um, he's a 6'10", 200-pound, more like 6'11", 200-pound power forward. And he's a guy that can stretch the floor. Reminds me a lot of Noah Clowney coming out of high school, and I think he's more polished than Noah was. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to step in right away and play the four spot, maybe even be a stretch five. I mean, he he's got all the tools to be great and to end up being an NBA player once he fills out. He can step out and shoot the three, and he's also a really, really good defender as well at the rim. Um, also – Alabama was supposed or Alabama's target Darian Reed, also from prolific prep, uh, five star on, on rivals as well. Um, small forward. He was supposed to make, announce his commitment tomorrow night. Um, that has changed. He's recently delayed his commitment um, to a later date. Now I've had a future cast in since Monday. I felt really confident about it. I still feel confident that Alabama's going to land Darian Reed. Um, it's actually probably a good thing that he did delay because Georgia was really trying to hop back into it after landing Asa, Asa Newell, uh, one of his good friends, um, to come play with him and probably offering him a good bit of money as well. So it gave him a lot to think about. Um, so it's good that he delayed it and didn't make a spur-of-the-moment decision to do that. Um, I still feel like Alabama's going to land him. And once Alabama hopefully lands Darian Reed to go along with Aiden Shirell, I think Alabama's going to be done with their 24 recruiting class, and that's a solid haul, just two five-stars and then attack the the backcourt and the portal um, come next year. Well, it was awesome um, doing this show for you guys. Um, I look forward to doing many more this season. We'll probably kick it off uh, with this show and then go back to once a week, especially I'll start doing it once a week after, you know, the first, um, first month first month or two of the season. And then once Matt joins me, we'll start doing it bi-weekly for SEC play. Um, but until next time, I appreciate y'all listening. Um, hope you join us for the next episode. Again, my name's Jordan Harper with Tide Illustrated, the Rivals Network. This has been the Double Dribble Podcast. Adios. <laughs>